This is a Hive Mind Studio production. Hello, gods and goblins, deities and deviants, and my fellow what the fox, and welcome to a special Halloween episode of Playing with Advantage. And that accent makes my face hurt to do, so we're going to cut that out about right now, folks. <laughs> but yes, you're. I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But I, as always, am Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. Southern D&D across the various platforms. And we've got something special planned for Playing With Advantage today, a special Halloween horror episode. Unfortunately, James the Bard, Bardwell, cannot be with us, but we have someone who I'm very excited to have on with us, as they are one of my favorite individuals. If you listen and watch my Natural One show, you will know them as Finriel, the the half-elf ranger and the other half of what they call the orc and the twink. May I present the one, the only, Beck. Hello. <laughs> uh, and don't forget, we have the darkness himself with us, Mr. Brody, a.k.a. Elder Fenris. It is my time to shine. Yes, because, folks, this is, I'm going to be honest, this is one I don't know a lot about. And so I'm going to be more of the, uh, I'm going to be more of the Costello to their abbot, as it were, as we'll be discussing horror in a tabletop role-playing game, which is a very interesting thing because most of the times when you're in a role-playing game, it's all, you know, theater of the mind, maybe some miniatures and storytelling. So how do you bring in those elements or aspects of horror? And more importantly, how do you make them, you know, permeate? But I think the first thing we should talk about is what, and it's a big deal for me. And I I know with, with you two, it's a big deal for you. And those are the safety nets of, of the game, so to speak. Because, yeah, we're trying to, you know, scare our players, make them a little bit uneasy. But at the same time, we don't want them to have any lasting traumatical effects from this game. Absolutely. It should be said before you start any kind of horror game that there should be ground rules at the table. Um, and we've, we've covered this before in an earlier episode. Um, you, there are different, many different genres within the horror genre. So when you sit down to decide to play a horror game, there are rules that should be covered and make sure your players are okay with first. So like, what are your, your do's and your don'ts? Like what is, what is you absolutely okay with and what are you not okay with? Because horror is not for everybody. There are a lot of facets to it that will just absolutely make people flee. One of the things I would point out is uh, like, as Moffat would say in earlier episodes, defining our terms. Fear is knowing what it is you are afraid of. And horror is the absence of that understanding. So safety tools. Yeah. What, what, what are some safety tools that you two bring to the table? I know one of the things I always use, which y'all have talked about in a previous episode, is uh, the X cards. Um, but also before starting a horror game, I always make sure to do a consent checklist. Uh, go over with everyone individually, let them know what content warnings is going to appear in that particular campaign, uh, whether it's a one shot or if it's going to go on for a while and just know what it is they're in for. Even if sometimes it's going to be a bit of a spoiler, it's better to have your players know what to expect so they're not personally scared for themselves instead of just scared for their character. You you mentioned spoilers. I know a lot of people come to the aspect of, uh, again, I'm going to use my, my uh, hopefully it'll be trademarked soon, a voice for this. Well, this is a horror campaign, so you want to be scared and fearful. You don't go to to watch a horror movie to not be. Let's stop right there, Mr. Neckbeard. 
When you go to a horror movie, there's a thing there called a, a rating. And next to that rating box is an entire list of everything that is going to be in that movie, be it nudity, uh, graphic violence, mutilations, that kind of stuff. And if it's okay for a movie to have it, I think it's more than okay for something that we are all wanting to enjoy and have fun and to also okay, guys, yeah, this is going to be kind of a horror game. It's going to include this, 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 and this. Are you guys okay with this? If not, we can adjust and we can shift. That's, that's no problem at all. There has to be a certain maturity level that is understood when everybody sits down at that table, especially with the, the DM going over, okay, hey, guys, this is the type of game we're going to play. Is everyone on board with this? Because something that we'll cover in a, in a little while is uh, maintaining horror in a tabletop game is way harder than like playing a video game or watching yes. a movie that is horror based. It is so much harder. It's the aspect with like with movies or, or video games, especially with video games, even though you are like you're controlling something, there is visualization. You can physically feel yourself get pulled into that world. Whereas with a role-playing game, a lot of it is done in the theater of the mind, and again with miniatures, and usually it's in a, an area where there are a lot of like outside stimuli. So if you're not careful, somebody could do or say something, and then as you say, you break momentum, and once momentum is lost, it is almost impossible to get back to that, uh, that same level. Yeah. It's no surprise to anybody. If you know me personally, horror is one of my favorite things. Gasp! I, I know. Surprise. Uh, like video games, movies, like when I was younger, to give you a little bit of insight to me as a person, I was allowed to watch things like Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Aliens, all that kind of stuff, and never warped me, maybe just a little bit, uh, <laughs> but like I never, it never terrified me, not like it would other kids my age, like that, you know, their parents never allowed them to watch that kind of stuff, of course now my my parents would be like, why did we ever allow you to watch any of that? <laughs> Too late now, mom. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the things that I go over with my players is I, I ask them, it's like, okay, what are things that you're okay with and what are things that we should absolutely not uh, cover? Because I will, I'll, I'll cross them off my list. I may get a little sad over some of them. It's like, oh, dang, I got some really good miniatures I could have used for that. But uh so remember, what I'm hearing is I should sit down and go, I am scared of all eldritch horrors. Please do not use eldritch horror. My table may not be for you then. <laughs> the right, actually, that's mm-hmm. kind of right there. That is, that is kind of leading my, my next thing is it is okay to say that. If you go, well, I, I have this issue, and if, if it's such a way that it cannot, the story cannot change to, to accommodate that or anything, it is okay to go, oh, that's fine. Thank you for inviting me, or I'm sorry, I don't think this table is the best fit for you. Uh, maybe we can find something else for you. That's okay. Like, these are games. You don't have to play them. They're made to be enjoyed. And if you're not enjoying it, there is, I, I know it sounds kind of mean to say, if you're not enjoying it, why are you still in it? Yeah. I mean, you could just, if it's not for you, then then that's fine. Go do something else. Or sometimes I will, I will break my own rules and be like, I really want to use this, but I really want these, this particular person to play at my table. So like, I'll save it for a later time just because I want them to play. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned as we were coming into this episode, the various aspects of horror that exist within the horror element for tabletop role-playing game. Uh, what, let's kind of expound upon that. What are some various aspects within that we could see within if we're running a horror game? Yeah, there's a, a wide range, a lot bigger than people would probably expect when it comes to horror. Um, you could run... There's 
of course, the tried and true, there's gothic horror, which uh, encapsulates, you know, vampires, werewolves, undead, spirits, like all of that aspect. Anything from, uh, for those of you who don't know why we call it gothic horror, it comes from the gothic era of Europe. A lot of those famous stories of Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy, all those originate from that era of gothica in that time span of Europe. Spooky. Spooky. Yeah. Transylvania. You've got uh, gothic horror. You've got supernatural horror, which is more like your ghosts, spirits, uh, that side, demons. Um, You've got cosmic horror, which is one of my favorites. Body horror, which those two kind of go hand in hand with each other, but they can be done separately. The the most common element of body horror being the the Pinhead, the Hellraiser series, which has recently gotten a reboot, so you know. Yep. Uh, The Thing is an example of of cosmic and body horror. That's like cosmic and body, yeah. That's the thing. That's something cool. A lot of these can overlap. You don't have to strictly, you know, stay within one specific genre of horror. So, oh yeah, the fun part is the overlap on some of them. And then you have uh, uh, what I know you best for, and that's science fiction horror. Well, uh, science fiction. Uh, some a lot of science fiction horror kind of go falls under the other categories, like cosmic or like psychological yeah. horror. Like you'd be surprised at the number of sci-fi movies that have a lot of psychological horror aspects to them. Um, uh, I will argue this to the day I die, but Alien falls under cosmic horror, very much so. I could see, yeah, I could see it. I could see it. But that's something I'm not going to get into, but I could do a whole uh, dissertation <laughs> about that. Uh, you've got uh, along with like cosmic body horror, you've got um, disaster horror. Yes, which is not one that is done very often, and you, a lot of people be like, what, what qualifies as disaster horror? Uh, I could tell you one right off the top of my head is the original 1954 Godzilla movie. It is a horror movie. It is advertising and preying off of the horrors of nuclear war and the disaster that was very fresh in the minds of the Japanese people at that time. See, when I think like disaster horror, I go because, you know, I was, I was grew up in that time. I'll go back to the, the nineties where there was this big plethora of movies like, Twister, The Core, Volcano, La Brea, where all these like natural disasters start to occur, and it's that, that very horror esque aspects of it. Uh, one that was Meteor more, movies, yeah. One that was more recently was 2012, like you know that that's oh. kind of an action disaster horror movie. Yeah, Twister, the movie where the tornado <laughs> is the bad guy. That was that was great. That will trigger some people too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the cow. Okay, uh-huh. we've got cows. We've got cows. Yeah. Uh, along with that, you've got um, dark fantasy, yeah. which is it could fall under gothic horror, but it uh, dark fantasy would probably be like Conan the Barbarian, and um, I, I think, like, think of some um, other ones like that. Hey, actually, the one of mine that comes to like dark fantasy is the Black Cauldron. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very much that kind of darker element of fantasy. And you've got uh, there's probably oh folk horror. Oh yeah, like Midsummer. Yes, <laughs> you've got a lot oh, like God. that. Uh, there's way more that I probably had could think of, but, uh, those are like the big ones. Yes. Um, matter of fact, in regards Wicker to Man. Jesus, that still falls like, Oh yeah. Bees. Yeah. The bees. yeah. <laughs> in regards to like tabletop games, uh, curse of Strahd is Gothic horror. I think that is the, like the, the pinnacle. When you think horror for tabletop role playing, you probably go to, you know, you know, uh, the Baron Strad von Zarovich in Barovia and all yeah, that is probably the, the pinnacle, uh, which actually that's kind of, I, I'm glad Beck's here because that is around here in the hive. You're known for the, you are the Strad dungeon master. 
I, I did kind of fall into that. Um, I've run it start to finish 12 times. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Okay. I, I've only done it like five. I mean, okay, yeah. I'm... You should know it by the back of your hand now. Yeah, there's so many changes I've made, and I, I don't usually have to reference the book anymore at this point. <laughs> how many uh, how many times do you use the companion book for the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft? This latest time that just finished in January uh, was my first time running it since that one came out, actually. I pulled a lot of things out of the Van Richting's Guide, and my table seemed to enjoy it a good bit. James, actually, James and your, I don't remember what his... Uh, Audio Orc. Oh, oh actually. Sorry, Tech Goblin. Tech both tech of goblin. them. Both of them were actually were, uh, at the table for that one. Um. Like I, I bought the, I've never actually sat through an entire campaign of Curse of Strahd. That hurts me so much. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had, this news had to be broke to you this way. We can, uh, we can fix it. I played through a little bit of it and uh, I think the game died shortly after that. I never got to play any more of it, but I did pick up the Van Richten's Guide and it is such a good book. I mean, oh, you don't yes. have to even use like Barovia in terms of like Ravenloft. There's so many other things there that they provide. It's oh, like, yeah. oh wow, I didn't know you could do all this like, stuff. Like this thing that Barovia is just one of a multitude of demi planes that exist, and it is so much fun. Uh, I actually lucked up and not not only got the Van Richting Guide to Ravenloft, I found the premium. Uh, it's like I think called Grave Drinker. It's a massive purple worm esque thing that. Uh, I cannot go into any further detail because when I players is currently on the podcast, so I can't go into much of that. <laughs> Concern. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the hard part of this, folks, is because Beck plays Fenriel. So all the little cool things I would mention I'm going to do, I can't say that anymore because now it won't they'll know it until before it happens. I, I do have a bad memory, so chances are I'll forget. <laughs> uh but we mentioned like when it comes to D D, you know, Curse of Straw. But the thing is, there are a lot of other game systems out there and some that are specifically geared for the more horror elements. The first one that comes to my mind, the one I probably have the most familiarity with besides D&D, is Call of Cthulhu. And as a big, I am, look, while the man who wrote them is very problematic, I love, loved Craftian Mythos. That is one of my favorite elements. Uh, the King in Yellow, Call of Cthulhu, uh, the Color from Out of Space, the, the Dunwich Horror. These are some of the, the, the literature that I have just like, oh, so, I mean, I have got the whole Naglori, Naglatha, I have that memorized. I love, I love that eldritch horror aspect. Look, I, I, the, one of the first things that, that grinds my gears is when people get so excited about Cthulhu, Cthulhu Mythos or like Lovecraft or Call of Cthulhu, it's like, they, it's always Cthulhu, Cthulhu, Cthulhu. And it's like, hang on, look, he was beaten by a boat. Yes. Okay. They rammed him in the head <laughs> of the boat and put him to sleep. He is the priest of the great old ones. He's he is even not God. even that great. Look, if you want to get real deep and show some of the more exciting ones, you got Yogg-Sothoth. Yogg-Sothoth. You've got Azathoth. You've got Narlethotep. You've got so many other great ones that it's not Cthulhu. You get to the the Yigs and just there's so... Uh, we, we could sit here and do an entire episode's worth just talking about Lovecraftian Ithaqua. mythos. Uh, what was the... Um, uh, Yig's father of serpents and the whole like the city under the earth and the mound and just there is so uh, yeah we we may have to do an episode just about <laughs> Cthulhu about Lovecraft. So what is among those genres? What are some of y'all's favorite? Like I, well I know Bex is kind of like gothic because of the whole Curse of Straw, but 
in terms of things that you've played in or maybe you have run, what are some of y'all's favorites of those? I, I like the Call of Cthulhu because it brings that madness aspect into it. Uh, where, as you know, you see things and you kind of affect your your player, how you act. Now, they recently came out with one called Octung Cthulhu, which is where you actually get to be more proactive and you can use magics and things to actually, you know, attack these these eldritch horrors and, you know, the, the uh, all these, like, um, the uh, Shogoths and stuff, which, I mean, still, if they grab a hold of you, you're dead. But the, the I, I enjoyed it until I sat around the table we were recording at with a few other people, and we took a journey on the Kronos into the aliens hist- aliens universe, uh, and that Brody was one of the best horror games because you and your usage of sound effects, of music, and uh, just it it made that game, and it it was it was great. I loved it so much. Well, Alien is one of my favorite things. I have it in my office has shelves and all the walls are covered in aliens memorabilia. There, there is a, a famous, he was originally on Vine. I was on TikTok named uh, Charlie classic. Have you ever seen, he has like the life size alien egg with a little face hugger jumping out of it. Like I if we need to get one of those for Brody. I think he'd like that. I would, I would like to own that one day. It was like $350. <laughs> it's like, I don't have that kind of spare change right now. But the, especially because the, speaking about the, the system itself, the mechanics, it was very much a cinematic system. Yes. Uh, it 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 led more. It wasn't really cares much about you know. Well, you know, I want to do perception checks this and the other. It was more. It actually felt like you were in the movie. Like there were there was very. It flowed like like a like a movie, very uh, somatic, and the the fact that, like you would do like you would have things cued where you know a a door would slide open or something would crash, and we we felt so drawn into it. Like I know you the that one time you mentioned like the the door to the bridge opens and the white long fingered hand slowly reaps around. You hear the clicking noise as the Xeno as the Neomorph slowly enters in. We're like, oh god, oh god, oh god, get it! <laughs> Look, that's uh, when when running a horror game. Uh, this is not just specifically for Alien, but like horror games in general. Building the atmosphere at the table is super important. Yes. Uh, and I try to help with that because I get tongue tied a lot. I, I, I do like now I stutter. And so when I, in order to build atmosphere, I, I curate my playlist. I choose music tracks that I listen to a lot (laughs) of, and I'm like, this would be perfect for this situation. I, I have sound effects that I'll queue up and it just anything to help further, uh, bring the table into the immersion because Building, trying to run horror games and trying to have this same atmosphere throughout the entire game is incredibly difficult because everybody has to be on the same page. You have to understand this is a horror game. Um, and you can have humor in it. That's fine. But too much of it breaks the tension. Yes. And will it, it will pull you out of it, like in a heartbeat. Uh, and, you know, that's not entirely bad. If you look at Aliens, uh, Bill Paxton's character, Hudson. Oh, yeah. He was the comedic relief and he helped break the tension because there's a lot of tension in that movie. But that goes back to what we talked at the very beginning where, you know, kind of have that, that session zero go, okay guys, well this, the, this is going to be a horror game. So we're kind of with that atmosphere of of tension and, you know, a joke occasionally, a little funny reference is fine, but you want to keep this same kind of overtone of, you know, of, of, you know, your, your, you may, something may bad may happen to you. You want to kind of keep that same tension built. 
as opposed to like say you know a game where it's more more laid back you just make jokes left and right yeah beck was also a part of that game too and <laughs> yes i know beck we'll let you tell tell what happened in that game because honestly if that game ended like an aliens movie it did you had the you had the a-hole captain and just it it was it was beck i'm gonna let you take that because that, that game is was not here great. to defend himself exactly either. he can't defend himself yeah. now <laughs> Uh, I was I was at that table. I was playing the uh, the company man on on the ship, and we're coming up on the end. It's it's in the end game now, and we've got this rival company has come up, and they've entered the ship with us, and our captain, our beloved captain, played by James Bardwell, decides to uh, protect his crew by taking me out. There was a brief firefight. Um, I was the only casualty. I think it was less he was protecting his crew, more of like protecting his interests. Yeah. Because he was carrying one of the uh, the glass tubes containing the the, the spore virus, whatever it was, uh, and pathogen. The pathogen. Thank you. <laughs> but it's 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 as he was climbing up that I was like, okay, even even in fantasy and make believe, there is a sense of justice. Because, folks, the moment he went to climb up into the docking bay to go into the other, other ship, he opens the hatch, and there's an alien right there at him. And it's just, boom, he's dead. I had forgotten that, actually. It, it was, uh, he, he died. He goes to drop the pathogen. I am there in just enough time to grab the airlock and slam it shut to keep the pathogen trapped. Yeah, I, my character, I loved my character, Lieutenant Blackstone, uh, Sergeant Blackstone. I played like the, the gruff ex-military veteran. Uh, with with my uh, my right hand man Dangus, he was helping me out. Uh, I think Brody, the the biggest mistake you made in that game was when you gave me a shotgun. <laughs> that that's when because I I turned into Sarge from Red versus Blue. Like the, the code word is shotgun, shotgun Dangus, shotgun. Look, I was also told that I was very soft, and I I'm seeking to rectify that <laughs> to give you a true experience. Oh, fair. Uh, the the ending of that one, so many of us survived. Yeah. By so many of us, I mean what two of you? I didn't. Um, no, you, I thought. But I, no, because I, we were we were on the way off of the ship, and they so uh, Moffat was carrying me, and they were they came over the intercom or something and told him to kill me, and they would allow Dangus and Blackstone to leave the ship, and I called out instead let all of us off the ship and I'll tell you everything I know about the company. Okay. Cause I, I was like, I was at that point. Like, nope. We're not, we're, we're thinking of something now. I was like scenarios running through. Okay. We have pressure suits. Maybe we can do this. I was just like, how can we, but yeah, it, it was on a time limit. Too. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, once we got over into the other ship, it turns out like the, a few of you were actually infected and died that way. Uh, Cause I, I still love the look on your face when they were all taking what they thought was the cure. I pick it up. Like I hit the cat with it. Just the when you when I did that, you went, what? <laughs> All right, we're about to get to have a, a cat neomorph pop out here in a second. <laughs> Alien is definitely one of my favorites. Um, it's one that I know the universe of very well and I feel comfortable running games like the back of my hand in it. Uh when I made that system before the the actual RPG came out, um I was excited, and then uh, because for years I wanted an an aliens RPG, 
And uh, I ran some in like D20 Future oh, back wow. when, uh, bef- way before 4E yeah. and 5E were a thing. <laughs> that was that was a trip too because uh, damage reduction was a thing you could take. And yep. somebody was like, I've got damage reduction 20 for acid. So I'm just going to bathe in acid and it's not going to hurt me. Anyhow. <laughs> so, because uh, we, we've mentioned, you know, D&D, we've mentioned uh, Call Cthulhu, uh, Aliens. Another very popular one is like the uh, the, the World of Darkness mythos. Powered by the Apocalypse. Powered yes. by the Apocalypse. Uh, then you got, you know, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf, that kind of stuff. There are so many aspects of horror in the tabletop role-playing genre. Be it if you want the more, like, battle combat heavy, if you want the more cinematic, or if you want the more just, like, role-play heavy style. And it's just that much like it's just because horror itself is such just a widespread and various uh, topic or, you know, a, a theme in, in everything. Now, but the one thing that these all these horror games have is that there is a progression to them where you get started and your tension builds and builds and builds. And while it's building and as the monster creeps forward, its hands reaching out and whose phone's ringing? Why is your phone ringing? Crap. Momentum has been lost. Uh, is there any way that you have found that when momentum is lost, what are some ways you can get it back? Some tricks you have aside from honestly, you know, at the start of the, the, the game, all phones off, please. But n- not just the phones, but anywhere where something happens, a, a flub happens, but some aspect where momentum of the moment, the tension is lost. What are some ways you can kind of bring that momentum back? We had a lot of problem with that, actually, in that last Curse of Strahd game. But I had seven players sitting at that table. One of them was was the audio orc. Um, love you, Mike, but oh boy. Um, one of the things, sometimes you just have to accept the fact that you just have to restart. And it helps if all of the players at the table understands that the momentum is very important. So one of the things that I tend to do whenever that came up is I think I would uh, backtrack just a little bit. There was the occasional, you know, verbal smack at at (laughs) a player in question. But uh, for the most part, you just have to circle back, redo it, and try to get that ambiance back. I think sometimes I'll just switch a music track that I'm playing and sometimes that's enough to catch people's attention and they go, what, what's happening? It's, it's enough to set your nerves on edge again is immediately if the music changes. I mean, it's a little bit of a fourth wall yep. break because you're like, wait, the music changed. What, what's happening? Uh, you've had all of us well-trained to, to pick up on as soon as those audio cues change at anything, then Brody's about to throw something on the board and it's, it's going to be bad. I, I think one of the most common ways I know that I do it, uh, so I, I run Curse Strat a few times, and if there were those moments where like something like you know, I could feel momentum slipping, I would look at a I, I would I would make a random roll behind the screen, look at just a random player, and go, give me a perception check. Thirteen. All right, cool, and just that, and that one moment, they're suddenly like, wait, what? What's going? That uh, doesn't even have to happen in a horror game. No. You could do that in a regular <laughs> game, and people are going to be wait. What? Why'd you make me roll? What's happening? I've done it a couple of times with the natural ones. They'll be. I'll just go. Hey, uh, Kieran, roll me perception check. Um, eighteen. Cool. Just the go panic back. in a yeah. player's eyes is <laughs> enough to give you sustenance. Sometimes it's just a simple. Don't even say anything to your players. Just behind the screen, just reach over, grab like a percentile, 
and just rolled a percentile. And they're like, that's a lot of dice. What's what's going on? That's what are you doing? <laughs> I think I've had James even say, uh, Brody's rolling. Why is Brody rolling? And then he'll just stop. And then when James says something, everybody else will stop and look too. He's like, what? What are you rolling for? Don't worry about it. That's actually kind of interesting. There, um, as much as I wish it didn't happen, it, it, normally it does where in every in every game you're in, there is that one person that kind of, they fall into a healthy leadership role where the party kind of takes their cues from and this kind of stuff. And if you could get them on their toes, because they usually set the they set the uh, the emotional tension for the group, James being one of them, where if you get him going, wait, what, what's going on? What? Because he always seems to be very calm and collective in game. So if you get him to start like getting a little bit twitchy, everybody else kind of goes, wait, if he's worried, oh crap, we should really be worried. <laughs> That's good too when they can your players can feed off of each oh, other yeah. like that. Because that also helps bring them back into the the atmosphere and help get the 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 tension back. Uh one of my like and I I do not have the the mastery of, of audio of audio and sound effects like you, but one thing I love doing is I will admit it, I am not above a good jump scare. Uh, for those of you listening, if you're a Critical Role fan, this past one of these past recent episodes, uh, they were trying to revive in the third campaign, trying to revive the character of Lotna, where they went into her brain, trying her her mind, trying to find her. And there was a part where Matt's describing these two individuals sitting and talking, and they get very very comfortable. And then I know he just leaps forward at them, and it just like everybody jumps. I have done that before. Uh, it's, it's, it, uh, yeah, it's hokey. It's, you know, but it, it builds that tension. Uh, any actually as a dungeon master, I love adding movement. Like if I'm, if I'm portraying a giant character, I'll stand up because one, it's making my players look up at me. So there, there's kind of that, there's That's that, a good one. that sense of height. Uh, if my, if my big bads in front of them, I'm, I'm, don't forget, forget this part, please back. If my big bads in front of them, I'll start to pace back and forth. Because pacing, I'm building tension. Tension, I'm moving. You're following me. Things are going. Then I'll stop at a moment and like throw my hands on the table or pro- project in some way. And then there's a moment of fear, and you get an actual reaction of fear to this big bad villain. So small. And the the guy who taught me that was the guy that kind of was ran my first real big uh, game. So yeah, use your your body is your best tool. You can add tension. You can add moments. Uh, if you want the players to. Uh, Feel for something like to to emotion connect. Bring yourself down. Make yourself meek and small. Kind of open yourself up. Open your eyes wide. Speak a little bit higher in tone, and they kind of start beginning to you know emote to this character. If you want them to kind of hurt, hate a character, kind of close yourself off. Get a little bit deeper, a little bit gravity, or maybe adjust your shoulder. It's all posturing. That's the way that I felt. I can use you know elements of myself to to raise tension, to lower tension, to make something, I'm assuming that suddenly, boom, you know, you jump out and you know everybody's scared. Yeah, I, I like to get animated when I'm DMing. Now, you haven't seen that from me yet from the <laughs> Stagande episodes that we've had because we haven't really gotten that far, but uh, I think the closest you probably could tell probably be like Doc Orviti, like yep. me turning really quick or uh, getting somewhat animated but uh, we're getting there we'll get there eventually like, I, I love going back and watching the natural one stuff because when i'm up doing motions and acting out things like yeah this looks this sounds cool i'll go back and watch the video i'm like i'm an idiot just throwing my hands around what am, what am i doing there but if you'll see whenever you're doing that like when when the arcanist came in uh several sessions back yeah. the arcanist froze all of the players in place and when that happened most of us just sort of locked where we were at we were barely breathing and we were 
fully immersed in what was going on. I love that moment when, because Kieran, uh, Seth's character, Kieran did not get get uh, paralyzed. He stepped in and mentally he's like, guys, do, do I do it? And it, it was like, it, I think it was, it was Finnegan or Ricara, you know, but they went, dude, don't, do not touch him. He will blow us away. You do not. And like in the Arcanist, just kind of like looked at him and smiled before he like took the item and left. And like that, just that, because this is, this is a, char- a, a character they've been hearing about. Uh, the the underlings they've been dealing with, honestly, not that difficult. A little annoying a couple times, but you know he, this guy's a pushover, yada yada yada. And suddenly, you know, what do you mean my de- my my twenty three wisdom save does not succeed? It's a failure. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> it was that that moment when Finnegan rolled a uh, ha twenty three failed. Um, yeah, this, you don't want to mess with this guy yet. You'll get there. Don't worry. You'll get there eventually. Uh, you were talking about jump scares and I've managed to pull that off maybe a handful of times. And it's mostly by thanks of the music. Uh, (laughs) there was one time, uh, the, we had, it was an after, it was the after hours game. We stayed in, there was some, some adult beverages involved and, um, that was the game that uh, I believe uh, our tech goblin brought up because is the one time James allowed us to bring the lights low. We had like fake candles oh, lit. Yeah. We had the I had the mood set. <laughs> it was because so I want it was it was close. It was uh it was just like now it was close to Halloween, so I was like I wanted to get at this spooky. I want them to feel uh, terrified, and I had talked with James's wife Missy, and I was like, "Do you want to help me scare them?" And she was like, "Oh hell yeah." <laughs> oh, that's great. So uh, while they're all sitting in here during the game, I messaged Missy and was like, I need you to come around to the side door and beat on it. Beat on it like you're panicked. <laughs> and she's like, I can do that. So what it was, was somebody in the game had come to the door and was they were outside and they were panicking. So it was calm. I was, it was uh, de- describing the scene, setting the mood. And it was real quiet. I was smooth talking, calm like this. And then Missy just beat on the door. Everybody at the table jumped out of their seat and looked like, what the hell is happening? Like, matter of fact, James said, open that door. Is somebody in trouble? (laughs) And then nobody was out there. And then James looked at me like, what is happening? (laughs) And then Missy pops her head in and bust out laughing. (laughs) That that is brilliant. No, that was... Uh, that was the one with the with the raptors yeah. that Old, came up famous, from underground. Yeah. It was thought it was Eldritch Horrors. Turned out yes. it was Velociraptors. There had been something outside. We we knew there was like there it was, was a, a giant bear. bear was outside, and we couldn't see it, and we lost track of it. And it got really quiet, and then Brody turned off the music, and it's dead silent in this really dark room. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's boom, that boom, beating boom. on that door. It was um. Uh, the bear was outside and everybody in the room was trying to be quiet because they're like, well, well if we'll be quiet, it'll go away. Um, because it, it, it's not going to attempt to get in here. It was trying to get in because the grizzly bear was scared. It was trying to get in. Oh, wow. And so I made some sound effects. Uh, there was a sound of a bear and then there was the beating on the door. That was the sound of the bear being um, rammed into the door by one of these creatures and made the doors dent in from the impact. And the silence in the room after that was so good, you could hear a pin drop. Oh, wow. Uh, that's just like one of the things that, like, I had outside help for that yeah. one. But 
it was it was icing on the cake that I was like, mm, this is delicious. Like one one way I like to my, my favorite kind of horror is always the psychological horror. Like you you see something, you look back, and it's something different. Something's there, that kind of stuff. To and to build that, I will literally do that in game where I will describe something, and the player goes, "What about that? I won't go back and grab that that you know that bottle. There's no bottle there. But but you said there was a bottle. There's no bottle there." Make okay. them question themselves. Make them, okay, maybe I misheard him. Okay, you know, cool. Uh, you, you walk through, you know, this door here. And this, okay, I want to go back to that door. Uh, what door? The one over here across from this way. The painting there. There's what? What? <laughs> and you, <laughs> now I, I I understand that is the definition of gaslighting. I understand that. But again, that's how I go. Okay, guys, this is a horror game. So you're gonna hear. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. If you have issues with this kind of stuff, let me know. Know that this is a game. I'm saying things very specifically. I'm describing things very specifically. I'm not trying to mess, you know, that kind of mess with you. But there's going to be some stuff happening that will make sense. And it turns out that there was on, they were basically in a dream. And something else was trying to lead them one way. So they couldn't. It was this whole big thing like that. But that moment where you go, he just looked at me and goes, You said there was a door there. There's a painting there. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go, go back and join everybody else. So one of the things that I do when you were talking about um, building tension and using music is <laughs> a lot of these tracks that I use, I listen to a lot on repeat. Like when I'm writing notes and stuff like that, that's what I do. I get in the mood by listening to music that I think would be best associated with whatever the game that I'm playing. Like, for instance, like for Alien, I just uh, put all the soundtracks I have on cue and let them play. And there are specific tracks that I'll pull out that are like, all right, that track right there, it's a good tension builder. Um, One in particular, and this hardly ever happens to me, like, you know, going back to me having watched like tons of horror movies and stuff growing up, I never get, I never got scared. That stuff never bothered me. Like one of my favorite aspects of horror is one that is definitely will turn people away is I, I I like body horror and I know that one's graphic and it, it makes people squirm, but uh, it's, is it sad as a kid? I was always, I mean, yeah, it was, I was always like kind of, but it was more of the, it's more of like an intro as an adult morbid I, curiosity. More, now it's like very much morbid curiosity to it. I'm very like the, the necromorphs of dead space. I'm oh, like, yes, that is, how is that? So that's where the arm can, oh, oh, I'm dead. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> I'm not big on video games. Like, I don't play video games very often. Uh, I went out and bought a 360 just to play Dead Space because I was like, this is right up my alley. Yeah, I is. have to do this. It is very much, it is, a, it is an example of an amazing car. The, the third one, not as much. The yeah. first two, the first two were really good. I enjoyed those. There's a ton of homages to Alien and The Thing all throughout those games. Oh, yes. Sounds like I might need to uh, actually play those yeah, for oh, research when, uh, purposes. I have them. Uh, I've just never played. Yep. Um, Alien Isolation is a very good. I've seen. Alien, I've seen uh, that one being played. It, it is. Yeah. Like that's. It's the one. That, the thing that makes that scary is because um, a, yeah, they give you weapons, but you can't hurt it. No. You can drive it away. It will hunt you down. 
It learns. Yep. It knows how to find you. you uh, that was that's actually what made Dead Space so uh, so groundbreaking. Is that the the AI engine? When you heard something skittering, that wasn't just a sound effect. the The computer had propagated a monster, and it was trying to find a route to you. Yep. Though it was a learning AI, though that when I heard, I'm like, wait, they're actually hunting me. This is like you know, uh, you know, this one, this is the one always spawns right here at this point in time. No. They had a spawn point. They were just trying to get to you. I and can go in a different room and be safe. No, that door's going to open behind yeah, you. Yeah, that door's are you know elevators. Elevators are not your friend. Uh, a vent will explode and it'll just actually crawl there's out. now there's a new game coming out where your base is almost like a Jurassic Park Dino Crisis, where like the trailer you you see the guy like hiding in the locker as it's like Raptor s kind of thing walks in, looks around, looks at the locker, moves off, and you just hear. As a, all of a sudden, a clawed hand comes up and grabs, and the vent yanks it off, and the trailer thing pops up. What is that? I, I gotta find I out what know. that is. I can't remember what it was, but it was, I saw it on TikTok. I was like, oh my God, this looks so cool. There's there's a few games that, uh, in relation to like tabletop, that I have pulled from and be like, I'm gonna make a game out of this. Like, we played Resident Evil and using D20 Modern, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had like a city map, we had a hospital, all that kind of stuff, and uh, like, I've played Resident Evil 2, like the original one, yeah. like religiously. So I was like, Bad oh, graphics man. graphics and all. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that game was so much fun. I didn't, it didn't care. You know, it was, it was what, PS2 graphics? Oh, no, that was PS1. That was PS1, yeah. PS1. Like, they, they didn't even have fingers. It was the orb of holding. I mean, it, <laughs> Here, hold this. Why is your hand just a block? <laughs> now, the one that I love is, I, I love a biohazard because that is right up my alley. That kind of survivor esque aspect of it. it's why I love Fallout so much, especially like in Fallout Three. A lot of your stuff took place underground, like the the sewers and the subways of, of DC. And so you're walking, all of a sudden you hear something tink. You're just like, what was that? I just what was that? And just what would you label that as? Disaster horror? That, disaster mm-hmm. dystopian horror kind dystopian. of thing. Dystopian. It's like uh like Bioshock. I consider Bioshock very much dystopian horror. That's one I didn't we didn't name dystopian. Yeah, that that one is and like I love for some reason that is something else that kind of like I think that is my favorite genre. I love the dystopian horror. Something about where in the future society as we know it has broken down in some way mm. and the horrific uh, effects of it we now have to live with. Yeah, I don't know why that I that just speaks to me for some reason. Fallout, uh, Mad Max, that kind of stuff. Uh, in, in a way. Alien can kind of be labeled as that because not the thing. Here's the thing about alien. The universe is terrifying because there's so much that is unknown. Um, There is, yeah, the alien itself is scary, but the one thing that I would say that can be relatable to present day is uh, alien universes run by corporations. Yes. The government is, is controlled by mega corporations paid for. They, they, they determine how you live, breathe, drink, whatever. And it's a little terrifying. Yeah. Wayland Utani can get away with anything. They have enough money and lawyers to say that didn't happen. They could just buy off an entire colony corporation and be like, oh, that LV-426, the, col- the reactor overloaded. That was a tragedy. We're just going to cover up, you know, our entire involvement in. Yeah, we, we weren't there. That collecting just, specimens. Yeah. Uh, so Beck, what is, what is your favorite aspect? What is one of your favorite aspects of horror? Like what do you, a lot of people actually do because of the curse of Strahd, uh, think that it would be the Gothic horror, but actually my favorite is, uh, psychological 
and supernatural horror. Like whenever I play Curse of Strahd or whenever I run Curse of Strahd, I usually focus more on the the monsters yep. and getting into the players' heads and making them think things are happening that isn't actually the way it is. Yeah. Um, I just like that play around with them, make them make them think one thing, and then it's actually something completely different. And then double down on that that monstrous, like the werewolves, uh, and that includes a bit of body horror as well because I focus on the, Transformation. the transformations, and it's not just oh, it's a beast now. No, that's that's a monstrous monstrous used to be a person. I think one of the and it, it, the the movie itself, while enjoyable, is kind of subpar in other aspects. I think one of the best transformation sequences for a werewolf is in the Van Helsing movie. Absolutely. Where he just starts to like he begins just to rip the top layer of his skin off, and there's the fur underneath it, and just that that kind of like oh that that was yeah that, that was well done that one's great mm-hmm. uh, for like fantasy yeah but one that would really drive home the horrifying aspect is American Werewolf in London that's fair that yeah. goes that still holds up yeah. as like one of the best transformation sequences in film that's horrifying to say. <laughs> that's a that's a hard one to watch while you're young. Uh, you you mentioned like psycho. I, I I love psychological horror, like movies like Shutter Island, those kind of movies where they keep you guessing and what's happening, and you're like, well, and then it's that 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 point where you go back and rewatch the entire movie, knowing the ending of it. You're like, oh my god, this makes so much sense now. There's so you can see things in a different light because that that is the true thing about horror. Horror draws from like you said from the unknown. If you don't know something. Your our tendency as human beings is to be scared of it. If you don't understand it, if you don't don't know why, you're kind of hesitant. You're very scared of it. And if you suddenly understand and know a thing, well, I I know this is coming. I don't have to be scared of it. And as somebody who like I my minor was in theater, I've read a lot of literature. I know the the flow of a of a horror story. I know the the ebbs and falls. So when I find something, be it a movie or a book in media where like, cool, it goes against the norm. I like this. What is so cool about that in the tabletop role-playing game is that the story is being told by a living, breathing, uh, what's the word? A living, breathing improbability drive. Hmm. You can adjust it as it's needed. You can change it. You can make things up. You can add things to keep that sense of unknown. No, you, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to open this door. There's going to be something behind it. You open the door, there's a brick wall. No, no, you just said that there was this was here, and did I? Okay, I'm going to turn around and turn the light on. Light's already on. But wait, you just said it was, and you can kind of adjust to where now you're building the tension again. As opposed to, okay, he's going to die, she's going to die, the monster's there in the closet, uh, old man Jenkins did it, and Jeepers Creepers is coming back in 27 years. I mean, that that kind of stuff. <laughs> It was old man Jenkins. I'd have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you blasted kids. I know at one point I was, I spent about four months working on a a horror one or two shot um, based on the old video game, Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Ooh. I spent four months on that thing and then three of my players moved out of state. Oh. So... Never got to play it, but at some point that thing's coming out again. Now I was that about I to remember say, that, you yeah. should hang on to that and use that for uh, something later. I mean, that I'll be honest, that's worthy of like you know a Sunday night stream or something. I'll gladly you know step out of the, from behind the DM screen to play in that. That would be great. 
Uh, what's the the video game where you're basically you you start off you're trying to escape from a uh, an insane asylum, a mental mental asylum? What what is that? There's it's like, what is the name of that? Fear? It's not fear. I think my, I think it might be Alex. There's a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, oh. I saw on YouTube and somebody had taken. I think they were using the Scion system and made Outlast into a tabletop game. Hmm. And it was like low lights. They had like shadows cast, like bars everywhere. And occasionally you would see like a humanoid shadow run by one of the, uh, one of those lights. That's terrifying. And yeah, that's because like somebody was sitting there the first time it happened. Like everybody jumped and like, we're, like Wait, we're in a closed room. There's no windows. Yeah, he goes, yeah, I, I programmed the light to have like a flicker effect run by it. So yeah, it looks like someone's running by. They're like, dude, don't do that. That Because they literally thought someone was like, but we're in a basement. There's no lights in. There's no windows here. <laughs> that's perfect. That's so good. Yeah, that that kind of, where you can, it's it's the it's almost a sense like, like you want to be scared. And so you want to dig, get pulled down into that. And so when momentum is broken, you're like, okay, let's try again. So yeah, but yeah, other aspects like that, you know, sounds, lights. Uh, I have had players scare themselves. <laughs> it is so, it is so cool because I'll be. It was in a Curse of Strahd game, and it was the um, uh, they had just gotten into uh into Ravenloft. They were trying like to they snuck into Ravenloft, and so I'm like narrating you know, the passageways, this, that, and the other. And one of them is kind of like not, not paying attention, is reaching for their drink, and they grab the hand of the person sitting next to them, <laughs> and that person shouts and jumps. Which makes this, just this like whole like split chain reaction. Chain reaction. I'm sitting there watching this like, oh my god, this was great. I couldn't have planned that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty good. Um, I've also scared myself uh, because it's where you're you're, you're describing something as a dungeon master, you're getting so into it, so deep into it, and you're into all of a sudden. Oh God, what was the, you know? Um, that's the pizza, dude. Hang on, we'll get that. <laughs> I did that. I scared myself not too long ago. Uh, beginning of this month, I ran a one shot for here at the hive. We did a, um, uh, just a horror game and, uh, I was sitting up in one of the rooms or one of the D and D rooms and we had, I had my phone hooked up to the Bluetooth speaker and it was kind of loud because the music I was playing was kind of like low mood setting music. Uh, I got a text message. (laughs) My text message for this person is King Ghidorah's roar. Oh God. So as loud as possible, there was just this bitty, 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 just super loud and made everybody at the table, including myself, because I wasn't expecting it, jump. <laughs> and we're like, we're all grabbing our ears going, well, now we have tinnitus. And <laughs> we're wondering if the people next door heard us because we yelled so loud. Uh, we, we've been mentioning like the, the, the good aspects of horror, so to speak. There are certain aspects of horror that are not as... So they shouldn't be touched on. There are actual real world aspects of horror that affect people. Like there are certain things that I myself, if if it came up in an actual tabletop, there would be some physical reaction to that. And again, that goes back to like boundary set. But the as we we always want to kind of show both halves of you know both faces of the coin. The coin of you know the side where it's great, it can be fun and enjoyable. But at the same time, on the back side of that, don't use your players' triggers just because this is a horror game. Horror does not mean I want to, you know, scar my players. Horror means let's have fun and get a little bit terrified. Also, don't uh don't hold anything in. Like if something is bothering you in a, in a game like that, uh speak up. And don't don't keep it to yourself. Very much in a game like that especially, that's where the most damage could be done. Now, it, it, look, I understand a lot of people have an issue going, you know, 
hey, I don't like this. It's 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 especially our generation. It's how that our whole mindset, or we have to you know we have to be prevalent of other people's feelings first. But it's okay if something's bothering you. Go, hey, DM. Wait, hold on, hold on, stop, stop, stop. That that's you know this that and that. And if your dungeon master again goes, well, this is a horror game. It's supposed to scare you. Be like, cool. You can scare yourself. Then I'm leaving. Yeah, that's what the the X cards were for that Beck mentioned earlier. Slide those across the table. Be like, up, up. Yeah. I remember the one point me and James were discussing. You at one point actually used like actual red flags, didn't you? Uh, I I actually talked to him about another DM that I know had actual little little like bits of red cloth. Um, that they would just kind of wave that little red cloth. Yeah. Um, I I've mostly just used like small hand signals or a piece of paper that you reach out and touch or text message me yeah. or wherever. Like I, I am very, I've seen the ones where like they set out like, you know, the, the red, green and yellow cards. I, because of who I am, I'm very much the, Hey, let me know kind of player. I try to be very approachable to my players where you don't have to worry about, you know, it's like I, I use the, the one uh, player, they have an issue with eyes. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. I, we kind of pick and joke about it, but at the same time, it's not that big of a deal that I can, you know, it's not going to wreck a game. So when the player is there, you know, I, I literally, I have described someone being bisected in vivid detail. They did not blink an eye, pun intended. But the moment I mentioned uh, somebody, like somebody got punched in the face and their eyes started to bruise around it, that physically triggered them. I was like, okay, it's no problem. I'm, I apologize. I'll, so I'll know better now. Now, when they weren't at the table, it was eyes. Everything was 12 eyes. They're all just eyes, eyes, eyes everywhere. Beholders everywhere. Uh, I have to catch myself sometimes because I have to remind myself that not everybody is as comfortable with things that I am. So when I'm describing things in graphic detail, I usually, I'm I'm watching people's faces to make sure that uh, they're not panicking or they're they're twitching because I will say the very first time I ran uh, the, the alien game that I'm a homebrewed, I made myself, I made somebody sick at the table. It's not a, it's not a victory that I will be That's, excited over yeah. because then they didn't tell me. And that's the thing that I, why I spoke up. I said, if something's happening like that, you should speak up. Let me know to stop because I did not, they, they remained calm and collected in their seat and then they got up after that scene was over and I was like, what's wrong with them? And they're like, uh, they got sick. And I was like, are you serious? Wow. I, yeah. I ran the, the Pathfinder pre-made uh, Rise of the Rune Lord campaign one. And in that, there is a, there's a chance where uh, there is its body horror and torture to an animal. Mm. And the book kind of describes it very vividly. So I would just parrot the book. And there was one time I was talking, I was you know, parenting off, and I looked over, and this one player, he was white as a sheet. Like you could see his hand, the knuckles. I'm like, hold, hold, hold up, hold up. I called myself. Everything came in. He goes, I, I don't, dogs, I don't like, I said, dude, I am, I am so sorry. You guys, let's take a break. We're going to calm down for a few minutes. I told myself, man, look, I am so sorry. I, did, I didn't even think to ask about that. I'm very sorry. He goes, I understand. It's just a personal thing. I said, look, you ain't, ain't got to explain it. I can adjust. I can just say, you know, we, we can make this a lot less, a lot more generic and a lot less detailed. And that didn't, that didn't change anything of the game at all. It just, the, uh, the outcome was the same. I was able to get the point across that this individual was, was a bad person without having to like make him relive any sort of trauma that to this day, I still don't know exactly what the, the, the specifics were, 
But that doesn't matter because I saw that and I had the wherewithal to go, okay, hang on, let's take a step back. We're going to talk. We're going to see what's wrong, and that's that's the main thing. I want him. I want him to enjoy the game, and like to this day, sometimes I'll see him. I'll still feel bad about that, and that's where again, where session zeros, talking, open communication, is a big deal for your players. That's actually one of mine. I don't like animal abuse. Um, I like stuff, anything involving that. Like if I'm watching a, a movie or playing a game, and there's an animal in it, I'm rooting for the animal. As I was like. And like any horror movie, and I see like there's a dog in there, it's like, that dog better live. <laughs> uh, damn the humans. Uh, I care less if any of the characters live. That dog better live. Uh, crawl. We, me and Casey went to see Crawl in the theater. And, and you know, living in the yep. South, that was pretty, that touched home with all yep, the gators yep, and stuff. And there's a dog in it. As soon as the dog popped, popped up, I leaned over to Casey and said, that dog better make it to this movie <laughs> or I'm walking out. Uh, well, it's like the, uh, you know, there, there are so, I, I have, you know, my dad, my growing up, my father was a United States soldier. He loved the war movies. And this, I, I have seen movies where, like, you know, actual like body limbs were, you know, were gone. You know, actual like war wounds, this kind of stuff. I'm fine with that. The scene in I Am Legend, where he has to put Samantha down. Uh, to this day, I still get a little misty eyed. Every collective time, groan, collective groan. Every time I watch that scene, it's still. I'm like, oh God, no. It's, it's look. There are certain movies I enjoy watching, even though you know they're they're not great movies. John Claude Van Damme, Street Fighter, being one of them. Uh, <laughs> There's one thing that I forgot to mention, and I want to kind of circle back to before we end. Um, in regards to like uh, cosmic horror, one of the things that people get so hung up on is they focus too much on like tentacles, tentacles everywhere. Yeah, tentacles and eyes. That's that's. That's like a, a facet of cosmic horror. It's not the big thing. Cosmic horror is really and truthfully about knowing how small and minuscule you are in the blanket void of space. Yes. Knowing that you are a speck of dust that it, the universe does not care about. If, when if, you, I, if I may, I actually have a, I, I know a, a representation that reminds me of cosmic horror. Is a famous it is a very famous picture of a lone swimmer in the middle of the ocean as three gray whales are just like right underneath him swimming past him. To me, that's why like I love deep sea and that kind of stuff. To me, that is a an aspect, almost a, a an example of cosmic horror, where yeah, I'm this little itty bitty thing, and there's this massive void underneath me, and there's something just below the surface that I do not see. That can easily. T- I'm less than a bath toy to this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't like the open sea. One of my biggest fears is bodies of water where I cannot see where my feet are going. Like I will not swim in a pond or anything like that. A creek is fine. I can see r- it's running yeah. water. I can see the bottom. Nope. There, there's a rule in Florida: if you cannot see the bottom, there's an alligator in. <laughs> yeah, uh, gators. Uh, despite being scaly friendly. Things are not friendly. Don't approach gators. They are not. No. But the, the aspect, the, the the tentacles and stuff like that. Uh, what are some bad examples of horror that you've like you've seen? Like maybe unfortunately you've brought into a game where it didn't work like you wanted it to. I'm not really sure. I don't know if I have any that I can think of. Most of mine, knock on wood, have been fairly successful as far as getting things across. Like, what do you mean by bad per se? 
I was playing a GURPS game at my home store, and it was kind of a horror game. They were coming, they were dealing with a banshee. Mm. I like to use sound effects and vocal effects. Well, one way I do a banshee scream is I'll tighten my throat and I'll inhale air. So you get like a higher pitched kind of wail. So I'm about to, I'm, you know, I've done that a couple of times. And see, they're kind of, you know, I, I do it, go to do it a third time. And about that time, a fly decides to pass right by my mouth. And it's just, <laughs> oh no. And I'm just like gagging. And they're like, they, they just start laughing. It breaks the mood, it breaks everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm fine, guys. Thanks. Jeez. It, it, yeah. But like where you would try to, where it's, oh, try to be scary. And then that kind of stuff happens. Uh, I, I'm not particularly sure I've come across anything that I can think of. <laughs> I'm sure there is something that has happened like that, that I'm not remembering very well. Um, what about you, Beck? Uh, well, with that, with that example, I guess the, the biggest example is my last Curse of Strahd campaign. We set out, we're, it's going to be this nice, good horror game. They're, we're going to do this really big, scary, and they're all like, we would we would like some magic items. Like, okay, you know what? I I can give you some magic items. No big deal. Here, have have this this staff. You can you can get some food to follow you around for a few days. No big deal. And James got the staff. And this was what the third session. The third session in this Curse of Strahd game. They get a cadre of chickens. I'm sure you uh, remember all of the chickens uh, that I happened do, from I that. Do. From then on, like the. Uh, the tone for Curse of Strahd was very different the second the chickens were introduced. And I couldn't really regret it too much because the table enjoyed it. And that's probably one of the biggest parts of the campaign that everyone remembers about it is the chickens and the interpolitics amongst them. <laughs> But the fact they were basically the penguins from uh, Madagascar. They were definitely the penguins from Madagascar, and that that really ruined the tone that I was trying to set. But like like any good DM, you just you got to roll with yeah. it. So we embraced the madness. We treated it as if it was still serious, even though it really wasn't. And you just got to try to recover from it. There's actually there's a lot of uh, I can think of a lot of examples of. Something that is supposed to be serious and horror, and then either something happens or the tone of it. The one that comes to mind is Jason in space. Oh, or Jason, well, like Jason X or something. This yeah. really sucks. Mine is, it's okay, guys. He just wanted his machete. He's done with the campers. <laughs> uh, I actually thought of one while Beck was, was talking. Um, I had a player, I'm not going to name their name. Um, while we were trying to run a horror game, I changed the music to the track. And they said, hey, guys, the music changed. And I stopped. I looked them dead in the eye. I said, stop looking over here. And, or I said something along the line. It made me mad. Like, it, it just immediately from zero to, to mad. Because I was like, now I've got to set that tension again. Because you just completely fourth wall broke everything. Yeah. And don't do that. Just uh, uh, players out there, don't do that. <laughs> There, there is that aspect of when you go into, into a, a role-playing game, you are giving over some control to your dungeon master. This is the same point, part that we as dungeon masters are giving over some control of our stories to the players. There is a, an unwritten contract that you kind of a mutual respect that is needed. Trust, your, trust what your dungeon master is doing up to a point, and we will trust what you, the players are doing again up to a point. Don't, 
don't go out of your way to try to ruin an effect. Now you mentioned yeah, the the uh, I think it was like called the rod of the peasant or something. Or just so you, you summon the chickens. That that could have been a moment where it could have ruined Curse of Strahd. But you trusted these fine, upstanding individuals. <laughs> that's that's one way of phrasing it. Uh, enough, and they trusted your your storytelling capability that you were able to take that and make it into an amazing game, which I was lucky enough to sit in on the very last uh, session of. And to this day, I'm still wishing I'd seen the entire thing because in Curse of Strahd, there are very common elements you hit. Uh, you meet the wives, you know, you deal with all this stuff. And so I brought in my character playing Sergei's brother. And the first thing I asked is, did you deal with my brother's wives? And everybody looked at me and went, what wives? Like, what did you guys do? We were following chickens. Uh, they were busy leaving Irina alone with Strahd every single session. Yeah, that also, geez, yeah, you, you, you guys, you guys, that Curse of Strahd, that Curse of Strahd game. We could do an entire podcast on those stories from that game. <laughs> it, I tricked you uh, meta knowledge wise, so. We asked like some of the ones that y'all have done before. Like, is there a particular uh, um, theme in the horror genre that you haven't done that you would like to do as a game? I know I'm just going to say one. I would like to do a disaster horror and with a little few other elements mixed in. But I think that could be like really fun starting out from the S session one. Like a disaster event happens that's like literally world shaking. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Like I, I like I like the disaster horror. I like the dis, you know, I I that kind of makes me think like, you know, almost like the Fallout 4 where literally the nukes hit as the game opens up and oh. and that kind of stuff. Um mine I would love to I guess a oh, this is Beck, you go ahead. I'm still trying to think. This is tough. Wow. <laughs> One that I've never ran before as a DM, but would really love to, is the the Eldritch, Eldritch Horror. Mm. I've never dipped my toes into that, but thanks to you, Brody, um, I'm I'm interested now. Would you be intimidated if I asked to sit in on that game? I would love that, actually. <laughs> I I think mine would probably because I I have played in the I've played in a couple of Call of Cthulhu games, but. I would love to get on the more like psychological horror aspect, kind of almost the what's the name of the uh is I think the movie's called Event Horizon, where the the spaceship goes literally goes through the dimensions of hell. That is a good example of cosmic horror. Yeah, that that kind of cosmic entity level horror. So yeah, that I think that would be mine because I I like I have the Fallout uh, system and I would love to. I have I have a literal game set start to finish for the Fallout RPG. It takes place in the Southern Wasteland. You start at Vault 601. I mean, it, I have got this entire ready to go. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Looks like you've already got some players. Just have to get, uh, again, my whole thing is time. But, yeah, so I, that that would be yeah, the that kind of cosmic, you know, just not, okay, oh, no, there's a Shogoth over there. Yeah, no, no, I want the full, like, cosmic psychological horror, that kind of thing. That would be the one I would want to do. Uh, but again, the main thing, no matter what what genre or subgenre of horror, it's the whole point is talk to your players. You want to everybody has to enjoy this. And horror can be what scares one person may not scare somebody else. Like I know people who are petrified of the dark, that aspect of what they cannot see. Me, it doesn't bother me because I often make the joke, I'm the biggest thing in these woods. What's going to try to jump at me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
You'd be surprised. Uh, you'd be surprised. But yeah, they're, they're what may scare some, like, you know, spiders don't bother me. Snakes don't bother me. But there are people who literally get like petrified with fear just by looking at them. So again, you want to have that open lines of communication. Hey guys, we're going to do this game. This is what's going to be in the game. If any of this bothers you, let me know. We can adjust. If we can't, we'll, we'll try to find something to make it work. So yeah, so with, with Halloween, as this is going to be our kind of Halloween issue, it should come out about three or four days before Halloween. Uh, so we thought it would be a very just an interesting topic to bring, how to bring horror into the, uh, the tabletop role-playing game of your choice. Be it D&D, Call of Cthulhu, Aliens, uh, World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf. There, Folks, there are so many systems out there. We mention and talk about D&D because it's the one we know the most. Uh, we've discussed Fallout, you know, Aliens Day, but there are so many systems out there. You just get out, check them all out, find the one that fits to you, and I think you will enjoy it. That's the one you will enjoy the most. Uh, so with that, I think we're going to kind of bring this to a close today. First, thank you, Beck, so much for joining us. Uh, for those of you who are interested, you can see uh, Beck playing Finrio Neferen uh, every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Southern D&D's TikTok and Twitch and the Adventures of Fate Terror, The Legend of the Natural Ones. Uh, hopefully we have you back again. Enjoyed having you. Thank you so very much for accepting our invitation. Thank you for inviting. Uh, and as always, I am Southern D&D, a.k.a. Kenneth Moffat. I am Brody, a.k.a. Elder Fenris. The original Cosmic Horror. Uh, and I want to remind all of you to, if you enjoy listening to us, go like, follow us on the various platforms, rate us five stars. If you want to go check out Stagande, Scars of Midgard, follow them, subscribe to them. Uh, my various platforms can be found through my link tree, through my TikTok account. And playing with advantage, folks, like if just please your, your rating, comment, share. If you like us, tell a friend. If you don't, tell an enemy. We, we love doing this. We want to keep doing this more and more for you guys. So with that, I'm going to simply end this Halloween season. Watch out for each other and be good to each other. Later. Later.